Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Welcome back, Finn fans, to another episode of Fins in the Sea, brought to you once again by the wonderful folks over at FL Teams, flteams.live for all things Florida sports. Tons of great things going on, man. College basketball getting ready to kick back up, college football in full swing, and no shortage of drama and stories from your National Football League um, Florida teams. So make sure you go over and check us out at flteams.com. Also doing a lot of new cool stuff with live streams, watch along, stuff like that. So we appreciate all of your support and your feedback, man. So feel free to leave that here for us. Um, look, this is a little late in the week for my fins in the sea. Uh, most of y'all probably tired of seeing my mug on FL teams this week. Doing the uh, watch along on Sunday night, the power rankings on Wednesday. Um, personal, I've been traveling all week. Have my son's birthday this week. My voice is going a little bit shot, but I wanted to get on and just drop some thoughts prior to this Lions game coming up this weekend. Um, quick flashback for those of you who did join us for our watch along on Sunday. Thank you so much. It's a great time for FL teams. I think for our first time, it went off without a hitch. Um, first half was a lot more fun than the second half, right? This really was a story of two halves for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the return of QB1, Tua coming back out. And, um, you know, I'll wrap it in a nice little bow like this. First and foremost is before and oh when Tua starts and finishes, right? So when Tua starts and finishes, we're 4-0 and in the season. When we do not have that luxury, we are 0-3. So something to think about out there in Dolphin land. Um, boy, it was up and down. I mean, um, Isaac actually brought up a really good point in discussing the game after Sunday. Dolphins started off hot. They came out, the offense looked like it was clicking. Tua looked like it was just going to drive it right down the field. Looked like we were just going to steamroll the Pittsburgh Steelers, um, which we probably should have. But it's the NFL, you know, tons of parity any given Sunday, even on Sunday nights. You can't overlook a team. Look what the Bears did to the Pats on Monday night. But um, those, those first couple of drives, maybe those were scripted. Maybe they were pre-scripted coming into the game. Maybe that's why it looked so smooth. Maybe that's why the offense looked like it was rolling the way that it was. Um, because I got to tell you, after that, man, it stagnated. It stagnated hard. Um, took a hard nosedive after that first little bit. And, um, you know, just, um, you know, being up 13 nothing, you end up holding on to this game to win 16-3. Um, but it, it was not that pretty. Um, it, it was uglier than even that seems. Pardon me. I, I, I said 16-3. Of course, we went up 16-3. End up winning the game 16-10. And, um, you know, it was our Brian Flores, uh, the return of Flores. I thought it was funny before the game. You see all the players going out, hugging Flores, giving the handshakes, all that good stuff. Um Man, that'll forever be a mystery in Dolphin Land. Was he liked? Was he not? 
who knows? Uh, I, I don't think, you know, the, the truth of that will ever really come out. I think it's always somewhere in the middle. Uh, there's not a lot of black and white. There's a lot of gray. Um, I think maybe they respected what he did for them as players. But, you know, the, the behind the scenes, at least from the front office, seemed to be just miserable. Um, Dolphins also celebrating the 72 Dolphins, the undefeated Dolphins, on Sunday night. But, um, look, tell it two halves again. Um, you know, in complete control of the game, uh, I think it got a little bit scary in the fourth quarter. It shouldn't have, though. And it's something that kind of jumped in my mind for the first time in a long time. I'm starting to question Brian Floor or uh, Mike McDaniel's, um, you know, decision-making, right? I mean, Jason Sanders is showing he's hitting field goals. We get into field goal range, chance to go up by two scores, and somehow, you know, for whatever reason, we decide to go for it on fourth and two and hand off to not only – I mean, not only run a handoff, but you hand it off to Chase Edmonds. When Raheem Mostert's been doing a good job of running the ball. And, uh, you know, the Dolphins, when they stay behind that left side, when Teron Armstead was in there, were running the ball very successfully. But, again, got pulled away from it. And, um, you know, that, that seems to be the MO this year. We just will not stick with the run. Um, even in games like that where you need to grind it out and, and really push through. Um, I really was hoping for more of a statement of coming out. But this just told me again that there's a lot of question marks with this team. We really still don't know who they are. You know, this week facing the Detroit Lions, um, second week in a row of the Dolphins coaches reunion tour as Dan Campbell and the Lions are next up on that agenda after Flores is chilling, coaching linebacker somewhere. Dan Campbell goes from interim to head coach. Say what you will, man. Dan Campbell gets the Lions to play hard. He gets them to play hard for him. And... Um, I wish I was more comfortable about this game than I am. It's a scary game, and I think it's a scary game because every Dolphins game right now is a scary game. You know, um, Tua tried his best in the second half of that game to give it away. Tried. Tried. There were three should have been interceptions. I mean, literally dead in hands. Okay, maybe one would have been a tough play. There were two that were absolutely gimmies. Um, it was funny when uh, Coach Tomlin was <laughs> interviewed after the game. He was like, well, you know, the game came down to who caught the ball and who didn't. And by that, he's meaning our boy again, Noah Igbenogany. Noah got picked on and picked on and picked on and picked on. Like the way I was saying, we were running the ball with Mostert to the left side and just clicking it off and clicking it off and clicking it off. Well, Kenny Pickett was going right at Igbenogany and clicking it off, clicking it off, clicking it off. Um, Igbenogany was just getting beat like a drum for almost the entire game. But the guy came up with one play. And one play is all that mattered. He, he had the big interception uh, in the end zone. Looked like he may have even went out at the one. But, I mean, I'll take the end zone a lot better. And so that, that was a really big play on Noah's part. Um, you know, again, man, it's such a, it's such, so torn with Noah. There's so much talent. He's physically gifted. There's no doubt about that. It's a physically gifted corner. And, um, the guy has all the tools that you would think to be successful in this league, but he just can't seem to put it all together. And, and maybe it's a mix of, of what the Dolphins are asking him to do or what they need their corners to do and what he's good at. Um, maybe he's not a lockdown guy. Maybe he's not a, uh, you know, get just get up in the receiver and hold him back. But, uh, you know, Noah made some uh, 
big plays uh, in, in week six. Week seven, he comes away with a big interception that seals the game and um, ultimately leads to Miami uh, walking away on Sunday night with a victory, getting this record back to four and three, coming into week eight. Our schedule on paper gets remarkably soft from this point um, for a little bit, for a long enough run to, to really get right, you know, starting with the Detroit Lions. Um, Detroit, like I said, man, they, they play hard. They play hard every week. Um, you know, going into Detroit, it's, a, it's become a tougher place to play. Their offense was putting up some very good numbers prior to their bye. Well, the week before their bye. And, you know, it's, it's time to see what kind of who they are and what they're going to be coming back out. Not going to be at full strength. They're going to be without DeAndre Swift. Um, again, I like the fact that it's, you know, Dan Campbell. So we get to get see Campbell again. But really looking down the road here, you've got Detroit. Um, after that, we go to Chicago. Then we are at home for Cleveland, Houston. Um, then we go at San Francisco, which who knows who they're going to be at that time. For me, it's a double dip, right? I mean, you want to win that game, not only to win in the standings, but also to hang another loss on the, on the Niners because, you know, because the whole Ross, Ross debacle, we don't have our own first rounder this year. The only one we have is San Francisco's, so we need a little tank action there. Um, then you got the Chargers, um, Buffalo. That's, that's going to be, you know, a tough little two-piece there. Maybe, maybe not. I think the Chargers are starting to be showing it as that team that had that shine on them that was going to be this next great thing. And um, they're, they're very beatable. They've become uh, very, very beatable. And so I, I'm not so sure about the Charger game. But then you get that run of Green Bay, New England, and then you finish out against the Jets. And that would have sounded like cupcake before. I still think Green Bay and New England um, probably pretty much are. I mean, we don't know if we're going to see Zappy or, or Mac Jones. A little bit of controversy stirring there. Um, that Jets game, though, that, that Jets game at the end of the season could loom very large. That very well could be for um, the last playoff spot in the AFC. And I know I'm jumping. I'm breaking my own rules. I don't want to ride the roller coaster up, down, up, down, and look too far down the road. But... Um, you know, looking at it, there's there's a piece to put together a run there, um, you know, over the next four or five games that really kind of solidifies where this team's going. That being said, we have to, have to, have to, have to find an identity on offense. With two in the game, yep, we're 4-0, but really outside of the one quarter of football in Baltimore, we seem to be a team that moves it between the 20s and has some big chunk plays, maybe one or two that maybe fill up the stat sheets a little more, but it's not translating to points. And if it's not translating to points in the NFL, this this ain't a, you know, ain't a beauty pageant, right? I mean, you, you can have Waddle and you can have Hill going over 100-plus yards every week. If that's not actually you know turning into points, then what's it matter? And I think a lot of that, again, comes to the run game. we really got to stay committed with Mostert. In, in what we're doing there, he's shown a, a great ability to run the ball and to do it successfully. Um, we just seem to pull the plug on it early. And it, again, I don't quite understand what the logic is behind that. Raheem Mostert, 16 carries for 79 yards um, against the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, Chase Edmonds, 7 for 17. Um you know, I'm all over the place. I told you guys it's a little late. It's been a long week. So just follow my random 
squirrel brain going all over the place. We'll tell you, uh, as looking at the rushing yards here, two of four for 15. Um, like it or not, on two of those four, he lowered his shoulder. Tua was not looking to avoid contact. He was going to contact. And, uh, you know, for a guy who had a concussion and a scare the way that he did, that that's a little bit, uh, I don't know, unnerving, I guess. I mean, you want the guy to think maybe he's trying too hard to prove this, that, you know, he's not going to play scared or be worried about it. Um, we know we saw him last year truck a couple guys. Tua's never been afraid to drop his shoulder. You just kind of figure after a couple concussions you might get safer. Mm. You know, as we move on into the passing game, a great example is Jalen Waddle led the team with 88 yards receiving. That was on four care, four catches. Um, you know, averaging over 20 yards a catch is not going to be uh, ideal. You know, I mean, yes, it's it's nice, but you still got to have more consistency within the offense and flow, and we just don't look like we can get that together. Tyreek Hill seven for 72. Trent Sherfield comes in as the third leading receiver. Uh, caught all three of the balls thrown his way. Uh, I had mentioned before getting Gasicki involved, and it looked like there was an actual effort to do that. Um, some was Mike's fault, some were Tua's fault, but a little concerning that Gasicki only catches three balls out of the seven thrown his way. Um, three for 27, and you know, Mostert not only showed what he can do in the backfield, rushing the ball 16 times, 79 yards. He catches four passes for 30 yards, including an 18-yard touchdown. Um, Raheem played a great game, and it, that's why, once again, it's a little bit of a head-scratcher when you had uh, Jason Sanders starting to come back. He's within that you know 50-yard line. I feel like when he's within the 50, he's hitting field goals, and you know he's three for three on the night. Um, you're within that range, uh, and you're up six, and you go for it and hand it off to Chase Edmonds. I just don't – I don't know if maybe McDaniel or the offensive coordinator is trying to get a little too smart for their own good. Um, you know, we'll, we'll run back through, just, again, backwards all over this thing. Uh, Tua on the night, 21 for 35, 261 with one touchdown. Serviceable stat line. Looks better, again, than it probably really was. Um, on the flip side of that, you look at Kenny Pickett, um, thir uh, 32 of 44, 257, one touch, and three picks. So let that sink in there. They, they, you want to go to a trouble, a troubling spot, Dolphins. There's your spot. At home, Sunday night, the return of Tua. We pick Pickett off three times, and we win by six. Pick, pick it off <laughs> three times, and you win by six. Hey, there's still a lot to be desired here. We don't know what we got, but it's another W. So we're four and three um, going into the uh, Detroit game. As I mentioned, um, Detroit um, offense stalled out prior to going into the bye. You know, the one and five, but it's, it's, uh, it's a different one and five. I mean, if we go back and look, you know, Dallas and New England the last couple of weeks have really exposed them, I guess. But if you look across the board on the first weeks of the season, the only undefeated team left in the NFL, your Philadelphia Eagles, um, beat Detroit 38-35. Um, they beat the Commanders 36-27. They lose to Minnesota 28-24. They lose to Seattle 48-45. Every one of these games, 
razor thin, right? Razor thin. Um, and we haven't had a lot of luck in those Dolphin games that way this year. Um, then you had New England take them 29 nothing um, before they hit the bye, and then Dallas 24 to 6. So um, the offense has kind of crashed back down to the ground a little bit. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Equiminius St. Brown has been out. Um, he was really coming on and having a breakout year. Him and Jared Goff seem to have a great connection, plus DeAndre Swift early in the year. And then you got these guys playing bang up with that. So um, Detroit's not a rollover. They're not They're not a team that's just going to go away. You can look at one and five all you want. Um, that doesn't tell their whole story. And, you know, so uh, we're going to have a game on our hands come Sunday. Uh, I'm going to go back to the same old stuff, though. I really do believe that if the Dolphins can just find an identity and stay with that, everything changes. It's just, it makes no sense to me, again, that we can't uh, build off the run game to get to it into more comfortable situations, such as the play action, um, you know, and it, it's, it's a little bit, uh, to me, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling a little bit that that's the story is, uh, you know, we, we can't find that consistency on offense. Mike Gusecki's too good not to be involved in this. And quite honestly, look, the trade deadline comes up at the beginning of next week. If we really cannot find a way to make this guy work within our offense, I'm sure there are teams out there who would love to bring him aboard. Teams like Green Bay, um, teams like Baltimore, depending on what kind of injury that you're seeing with Mark Andrews. I don't think it's too bad. Um, teams looking for an additional weapon. Um, teams like Indianapolis now, even though they've benched out uh, Kurt Warner. Uh, teams like, God forbid, I hope we wouldn't do that, but with Buffalo. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of teams out there that Gasicki makes a lot of sense to. His style of play fits. Um, Seattle making the run that they're making. And so if we're not going to put the guy to work and we're not going to actually utilize him in this offense, it's not going to happen, then, then we need to just move on from that. We franchised him thinking he was going to be a much bigger part of this offense. It just hasn't happened. Um, so, you know, look, I expect the Dolphins should win. Um, I try to keep expectations. Again, we keep talking about leveling on the zero, but, I mean, I think it could be a tight game. But I think Miami is a more talented team than Detroit if it all comes together. Find it very funny, though, man. The national media, and you guys have heard me with the Tua concussion thing and the uh, Stephen Ross thing, but man, it's just, I don't understand. I, I hope that the people that I'm speaking to, that the people who are coming to FL teams, that you're smart enough fans to understand what's going on, that you really see through the nonsense that we're given every week, okay? Uh, everybody who was on board and jumping all over the Dolphins at the beginning of the season prior to Tua's injury, uh, in the first few weeks, oh, they're contenders. They could really be a dark horse, a surprise run. Tua gets hurt. McDaniel, uh, McDaniel doesn't know what he's talking about. The Dolphins are breaking regulations. Tua should quit football. Everybody's hating it. Now Tua comes back. He plays a mediocre game, and the national media is all over him again. Like it's They, they feel like they owe it to him because the kid had the concussion. Oh, Miami's a Canadian. You know, you can't anoint this team as anything at this point. Uh, I will steal the Mike McDaniel line that he stole and going into his press conferences. But at this point in the season, you are what your record says you are. And we're four and three. And that four and three has been against the tough sled of opponents. I'll give you that. Um, the Jets loss doesn't look nearly as bad now. Um, you know, losing to Minnesota, losing to Cincinnati. I mean, those, those are games that are 
quote unquote respectable losses at this point. Those are all teams that are doing very well. And um, the Dolphins were in each one of those in the fourth quarter. And a lot of those were playing with backup quarterbacks or third string quarterbacks. So I do think the Dolphins are talented enough. I am extremely concerned about the secondary. Really concerned about the secondary. Losing Nick Needham, um, you know, going on uh, IR. And now Brandon Jones going on IR. Um, Byron Jones, we still don't know when he's going to be, you know, he's eligible to be activated from the pub, but he doesn't seem to be any closer. And I haven't really gotten any reviews on that. So, you know, let's, uh, in this last little bit, man, we'll, we'll wrap together and, and just say, because I mentioned the trade deadline, I think, um, I think Miami can't afford to stand pat, plain and simple. I think that there are too many good players out there who can make an impact, who may be available. And I think we need to make a move for those. You know, I mean, I think we found again, Cedric Wilson is not our third receiver. Not going to be. You got Trent Sherfield uh, stepping in and, and catching balls or Gasicki. So there's a couple of guys that are floating around under that radar. Um, you see Kansas City go out and make a move for Kadarius Toney. Uh, I think the Dolphins could be in play to to bring in uh, an under-the-radar veteran that you're not going to have to pay a whole lot to to try to be that third guy um, if Kasiki again, once again, is going to be it. Bigger than all that, though, is corner. And I think there's a couple of cornerbacks that are out on the market right now that Miami has to be looking at. They have to be, um, you know, paying attention to where these guys are and getting depth in the secondary. I know we don't have the wealth of picks that we had in years past, but it's not going to take a King's Ransom to get these guys. Um, you know, when you're talking about the, the corner out of Washington, I believe also in Indianapolis, you've got a couple of really good quality guys that are still out there. William Jackson, the fourth or something, I believe, third, fourth, Trey, quad, I don't know. Um, but, you know, he, he's wanting a new contractor to be out in Washington. Young talent, I, I think has a lot to uh, show for that. You, you've got some crafty veterans still floating around. We need somebody now because, you know, without the return of what Byron Jones is or what it's going to be, need him going. Igbenogany is still really wet behind the ears, man. I mean, he's still getting picked on. He is still getting targeted, and it's working. Now, again, has he made him pay in big situations? I will give the man that. Noah in big situations has come up in his last couple games where he's got extended playing time and he's made some big plays. Maybe it's a confidence thing coming off the end of Pittsburgh and how he hits that, that kind of quote-unquote game win. Maybe this will get him sparked, but I also said that, you know, in the prior week when Noah uh, came in and played admirably and made some big plays. Either way, corner is a spot that we need help. Uh, offensive line is is always going to remain that way until we get different. Um, the big thing, you know, the Dolphins D needs help uh, to to run the way that they want to run. How, how about that? Can I put it that way? Does that make any sense at all? Um, I'm getting goofy tired on them. I'm going to wrap you guys up soon. But here's the deal. The Dolphins defense works best when there's tight man-to-man. -man. When you can get a guy on an island one-on-one, and you have X get on one guy, and it was Byron Jones on the other, right? And when X and Byron locked those two guys down, you were free to do a lot of things with your safeties. 
You are free to move them around and float them and do a lot of different special things to create unique looks from blitz packages to create pressure. I haven't been able to do that this year. Um, Brandon Jones, that one really hurts me, man. He was really, really, really playing well. I thought this was the year he was breaking out. I think you may have heard me sing his praises earlier in one of my episodes of Fantasy. Brandon Jones is having a heck of a year. Um, and to lose him to injury now, too, along with a depth at cornerback. And, you know, we, we've got to make some moves there or we're not going to stick around in contention long because this defense is not going to be able to play who they are unless Josh Borer is ready to completely reinvent what's happening and, and pull more off the ball. Um, there's been extra pressure on Xavier this year. He's still playing great, but he set the bar so high that because he hasn't gotten four interceptions by now, everybody's saying he's got a down year. Still one of the top five corners in this league. And, you know, having that is uh, it's an embarrassment of riches. Um, we used to have many more lined up behind it, but we don't right now. So I think in the trade deadline, the Dolphins need to kick some tires. They need to find out about some defensive backs, um, see if we can get some help coming in, and, um, you know, see where we move for the rest of the season going forward. Hopefully Tua continues to progress. He has a good rapport with his receivers, man. He throws a nice catchable ball that gets him open. And I think that's only going to grow more and more as he's back in the game and he gets comfortable. Hopefully, though, we can again establish the identity of what we're going to be. You know, um, in a close game like that, a six-point game, you have a guy 70 yards on 16 carries, almost 80 yards on 16 carries, and you just pull away from the run. We stop running the ball. And Pittsburgh's defensive line, um, you know, is just not the same without T.J. Watt, and we backed up on that. It's so odd to me again, and, and, you know, I guess my two frustrations or questions right now is McDaniel is a Shanahan guy, supposed to be a run game coordinator, a guru, an offensive coordinator. Um, our running game has not been what I thought it would be when we go out to make moves for Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert. You think about Tyreek and the way that he was used in KC. Waddle, how we used him last year. It's just not been very inventive. And um, I was hoping to see more of that. And so that's one concern with McDaniel and the way things are going right now. And, and the other really is just the game management and discipline. Uh, a lot of drives, again, where we shot ourselves in the foot uh, against Pittsburgh. Um, that, you know, an untimely penalty pulls us back out of field goal range or kills a drive. Uh, and that, that field goal is just going to haunt me. I mean, yeah, we, we got out of there with a win. I think if you watch the live stream, it was, you know, Jeff kind of mentioned at the end of that that he had never seen two Dolphin fans um, seem as unhappy as Isaac and I were with a win. Um, I think we just had bigger expectations. And um, that's where, again, it can set you up for failure because we never truly know um, what we're going to get in this grab bag that is the Miami Dolphins. So, you know, one more week at a time. Can't overlook the Lions going into their house. And, um, you know, one and five on paper in the NFL means nothing now. You know, the way Carolina beat Tampa Bay last year, last week, uh, Chicago beats New England. Yeah, we've got some traditional powerhouses in New England and Tampa that are a little bit, uh, but still, those games should not be what you see as winning. You have teams like the Jets and the Giants who uh, I don't even think their staunchest supporters thought they would be doing this well this deep into the season. So it's been a great year. You've got a couple of little cream to the top sort of guys, the Buffaloes, the Philadelphias, the KCs. 
Uh, there's a lot of question marks on all these other teams, man. A lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, just moving parts that could either set this team going way up or pulling way back. Um, it seems the rich get richer when you talk about in that free agency or in that trade deadline so far with the Chiefs adding Kadarius Toney, with the uh, Eagles adding Robert Quinn. Teams are in a position to know that they're already um, going to be contenders or trying to solidify that next piece, thinking ahead to the playoffs and what's going to take. For the Dolphins, I think we got to look the other direction. What kind of move can we make to survive the rest of this season and have a shot at the playoffs? So for me, hopefully, that is going to be um, you know, getting our uh, secondary short up. Again, just need to get healthy bodies back there. I mean, at this point, and, and I think that's that's something that concerns everyone. Um, and, and it sets the tone for uh, who we are as a team. It's, uh, you know, it sets the tone for um, what we're, we're able to do uh, defensively. And so we'll see how that comes together. So with that, all my Dolph fans, uh, please join me today. The 28th of uh, October, as I record this, is a young little uh, tadpole. My son, he turned seven today. Um, let's all celebrate him. Let's all celebrate our Miami Dolphins getting another win. Let's all celebrate Tua Tungabiola coming back from injury and being 4-0 on the season. Let's continue to celebrate the little successes with just some optimism on where we're going to go. Um, so with that being said, I hope we all have a great game week. Uh, make sure you check out FL teams for all of your Florida sports news, covering any and all things and the exclusive, um, you know, power rankings live on every Wednesday night, doing some more live streams coming down the, the pipe. FL teams, your one-stop shop for all things Florida. Keep bringing you new and great things, um, for that. Thanks again for bearing with me. Double video. The first one, it was way early in the morning. This one ends up late at night. Promise I'm going to give you one fully awake. But I appreciate every one of you guys and girls who come and check this out every week. Give me some likes. Give me some combat comments. Give me some feedback. I'm a guy that loves that. I want to improve the product of what you want to hear, how it is. So um, with that, Dolphins, I'm going to check out on you tonight. This is Jay Frog telling you guys once again, come on in. Water's fine. I'm swim with this pot of dolphins and we'll still be a Miami Dolphin fan till the day we pass, right? Fins up.